Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Always in Pursuit podcast. My name is Aaron, and uh, we are excited to have you guys all here today. Joining us on the podcast is Bobby. Hey, guys. Hey. And What's Pastor that? Mark. Pastor Bobby. Yeah, Pastor, Pastor Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, let's get that right. Sorry. <laughs> Kids we, uh, Pastor. You know, every chance we get to call a woman pastor in our church, we should take it. Yes. Miss Bobby. So. Yes. Uh, and then Pastor Mark is here as well. Yeah, that's okay. You can just call me okay mark <laughs> reverend mark no yeah the great if, high and mighty lifted one <laughs> reverend yeah reverend. uh if you are joining us for the first time uh on this podcast uh we really view this as sort of a supplemental conversation to what we talk about on the weekends and our messages we're currently in a series that we're wrapping up this coming sunday called here for good going through the yep. book of acts and we've really uh, framed this series and these conversations as sort of a rescue mission, trying to get back to get the church back to what it was originally intended to be, because it's kind of hard to tell what that is in 2021 uh, in the United States of America. And so uh, what we do is we pretty much almost always review what was talked about the last week. And then we have um, a conversation around some different topics, things like that. Oftentimes, Mark has a lot of notes that he uses for his sermons, and we don't always get to, he doesn't always get to, get to all of those I things. I was a good boy on time this week, so yeah. there <laughs> were some things that hit the cutting yeah. room floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, really, this is just um, unpacking some of those things that are talked about on the weekends uh, that are better suited in sort of a, a conversational format. So, yeah. Yeah. So, this week was the lovely story of Ananias and Sapphira, <laughs> which um, just just a, a peach to preach uh just fantastic um love how we planned that to fall on our three anniversary it made perfect sense um yep. you know we're just going for hardcore fire and brimstone for people god has blessed us look at how much you know where we've come from and <laughs> yeah by the way be careful everyone on the drop of a hat god could just blow us up yeah <laughs> and you know i know we say like hey if you're new like you don't need to, you don't need to give but just saying there are young men at the door they're waiting to carry your body if you away if you don't want to die you better give <laughs> so so bobby how, don't did, lie about how did you guys it. handle ananizing fire and kids yes <laughs> kids ministry we did have one student who ran up to mom after and apologized for stealing halloween candy so good so <laughs> no and i just counseled the mom a little bit like just keep the conversation open you know yeah. like i'm he, i'm glad we could you may tell you more yes exactly <laughs> the, kid, the kids are like take my piggy bank i don't want the money i don't want it i, I choose life, <laughs> I choose life. <laughs> yeah so we really with the younger kids we focused on not lying and being mm -hmm. honest so kind of took it. We still told the whole story because I think that the more information that kids have and the more you're just honest about what's happening and help them work through, because we all need that. Like, like as adults, we're like, uh, I don't understand this passage. Right. And kids yeah. also don't. So like the more we can just be honest and work through it with them and say, you know, but with the preschoolers, we focused on not lying. And then with the older elementary age, we talked about, um, um, standing up for your faith and um, um, being honest. But there was another part to it that I'm trying to blank on right now. It was now. like sharing. Sharing. Uh, yeah, younger. sharing too. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, mostly sharing and, and, and not lying with the older kids as well. So, um, yeah. 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 And as a, you know, preaching through, this is why we preach through passages. Like this is why we do like yeah. a, a topical or not a topical series, but a, a, a Ex, ex, uh, exegetical yes thank you the word was coming to my brain going through a book <laughs> yeah because 
you want to skip over stuff like this. What's funny is I went out and looked. I'm like, okay, who else has done like an act series? And what did they have to say about this? And yeah. checked a couple of famous pastors out there. One one famous pastor had his uh his associate pastor preach on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, two or three others just totally ignored it altogether. Yeah. Just skip they always skip to the end of cha- the chapter skip. where they shared everything <laughs> and they all got along. <laughs> I mean, just skip right over it. It was egregious. Mm. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. We were talking about this on Sunday. How like there are these little moments in scripture where you're like, why is that in there? Or why you know why? And yeah. uh, and then so you try and research it you go to all these different places and it's like the desert landscape with a tumbleweed kind of blowing by and there's nothing there. Nothing there. You know, we had this when we were talking like in Exodus about yeah. the midwives, the yeah. Egyptian oh, midwives. Yes. Yeah. Trying to like dive a little bit deeper and figure out what that, why seemed, that was a part of the story. What was seemed the ignored? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like people, <laughs> theologians, scholars for history are like going out of their way to like, it's like the rock in the middle of the stream and they're like going around it. They yep. don't want to mess it with it. Like, but we did live, uh, learn the phrase midwifery, which is, right. which is, I, I'm glad I could educate you on yes, that. We could have had an entire I, podcast. I, on legit, midwifery. I legit called a couple experts on midwives yeah. <laughs> that I knew of yeah. <laughs> just to see if they had any historical background on uh, midwives and, you know egypt and i'm sure those conversations were very short and they didn't want to keep going on and on about it right yeah, yeah. no actually midwives love talking oh about yes it. yes yeah. they do we had a guest worship uh leader here a couple weeks ago and her job as a midwife was that alana was that my thing is lena i did not have this conversation but yes someone who we had come in uh her day job is a midwife and so I mentioned, like, hey, me and Mark, like, we were talking about midwives, you know, a couple months ago going through this. this. Was, and she was like, she was on Are the you serious, like, so excited. <laughs> she was I'm helping like, out with VBS. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that it was, wasn't all. Yeah. It wasn't. No. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Somebody else. It was yeah. uh, Megan's friend. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So people, I think a lot of times people just want to skip over it. It's a really tough passage to understand. Like, yeah. I dug into commentaries, I dug into you know, uh, what other pastors had said. I looked for historical data from old pastors. A lot of the old pastors have their sermons archived. Mm-hmm. You can go look at them. Um, and I really couldn't find anything because my desire was to explain what you don't understand about it mm-hmm. so that it will make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you won't think like God was bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was my desire when I started doing the research on it. And there's really nothing out there that's helpful, like in that regard. So it was kind of like a, oh, all right, I better actually do the real work here and like try to come at this from the perspective that maybe I'm coming at it with the wrong yeah. mentality. Yep. Mm. And, um, you know, so then kind of started to really dig in and it's like, you take it at face value. Like that's really what happened. You really do take it at face value. <laughs> like God really was very unpleased with what was going on. And he really did take the lives of two people and it did cause fear among, mm-hmm. you know, the the people. And <clears throat> I was thinking about, you know, there there were some mitigating factors that, again, I didn't love either side of the answer. But the question about whether they were believers or whether they were not believers, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. and there's two interesting conversations that can come out of the fact that if they were, or they weren't believers. So let's take for a second if they were, and that was probably the the side of the situation that I think most commentators, pastors were on. Mm-hmm. These were believers in the church because it says everyone was filled with the spirit 
and here they are doing something deceptive. And again, you know, you can right away kind of push aside the idea that like there was no reason they had to give everything. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that they decided to deceive and they were seeking after their own platform or mm-hmm. the the people to like really look at them as leaders in the church or yeah. to take advantage of position. And so that's really the thing that God is, you know, against here. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to say to everyone like, Hey, go sell your, your cabin and give 100% of the proceeds to the church. Otherwise you get zapped. Like that's not what it's, you saying. can a hundred percent do that though. And we really won't zap you. Want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> imagine me when they come in like, is this really what you sold? I went on Zillow and saw, saw. The, the sale price of what you be gone. Yeah, right? like, that wasn't the Holy spirit. That was just me looking at the internet. for information. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't really about the fact they didn't give it all. It was about the fact that they were trying to attain something that would have given them um, some power in the church or mm-hmm. some notoriety in the church. And we did talk about how the church was in a place where a lot of people had kind of walked away from their safety net to follow Jesus. And when people were selling the things that were their safety net, it was a way for everyone to be unified over the fact that they had pretty much, you know, it says like none of them thought their possessions were their own. Mm-hmm. They just looked at it now like, hey, my brother here just walked away from his family, his inheritance, his support system. And I didn't need to do that. I walked away to follow Jesus, but I took with me everything because I'm the patriarch of the household. I can sell this piece of land and give it. And then I can help care for this other person who had to give up more. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let me say Barnabas is either the first guy to do this or one of the main people to do it. And it does elevate his status. And he does go off and do all kinds of amazing things on you know missionary journeys and stuff. So, but the but the idea was okay. So if they're believers, then God has just <laughs> killed two believers, you know. And what does that mean? And then there's the idea if they weren't believers. I kind of fell into the camp of I think they were Pharisees trying to infiltrate. Because um, hmm. later on in this in the passage, um, there's this really weird ex- explanation of what is happening. It says like um, this like fear. Uh, came upon everyone or came upon all of them and you're like who's all of them and it mm-hmm. says like they didn't dare join the people or they didn't didn't dare dare join the church and then the next line says uh, but more and more came to christ every day mm-hmm. you're like well, wait wait you just said nobody wanted everyone was afraid and nobody wanted to join them and, and actually what i'm when i parsed that apart it really read like if you would just put in the word pharisees or sanhedrin or like the leaders, it would almost, it would read like this and fear came across all the people who might infiltrate the church mm-hmm. and they stayed away because they were afraid. And the church grew in favor of the people more and more every day and more people came to know Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like by doing this, it kept the church pure and kept away infiltrators mm-hmm. who wanted to come in, gain the notoriety, get the favor of the people and then try to turn things in their direction. But that's could be. that's not yeah. yeah. It could go either way. Yeah, so, yeah. I think for me, it's like um, it's in you know, it's not in there. Like <laughs> we don't know. You know, it's just like we we're just saying. It's yeah. left to interpretation or feeling. You know, I traditionally I kind of go back to you know we mentioned this right at the very beginning of this series, talking about the transition from the Gospel of Luke to Acts. You know, Luke is the author. I'm talking about who Luke is and why he writes the way he writes. You know, he's a physician. His attention to details off the charts. 
So I also think that like, you know, if Luke is including this this story to be a part of the Acts narrative, there has to be intention behind it for some reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And um he's not giving us like the entire account or the even like the micro context of what was going on there. It's just that story. So it's like you know, one of the time some of the things I've I've always wrestled with in like church culture when it comes to preaching and teaching and even like exegesis going through the scriptures is like we take these stories and we just derive like a really simple truth that sounds good, but it may or may not be the like hmm. the thing that scripture is trying to get across. And so like every time I've read this story, I'm like, really? I, I need to give or else God's going to kill me. Like that's, that's the point. And it's like, well, like you're trying to parse out Mark. There's other things going on here. There's other contexts. And I think the other part here too, is that like, you know, put yourselves even as like a mental exercise into Luke's shoes, like the church, Jesus just went up to heaven. The church is, is getting started. Things are happening fast. And like day by day, there's things are changing. Things are happening. Like, Peter did what he preached, what he, you know, did this, like there's all these different things. Like, so it's just crazy to even try and imagine what that would have been like. And so if you, so, you know, if you look at it from that vantage point, you're almost like, okay, yeah, no, I know why he put this in there. I'm sure that was a crazy thing. And people are like, Ooh, uh, how much do you want for my house? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, th I think, you know, the spirit of, you know, honoring God with it. it. It wasn't for God's honor. They were trying to take some credit or hide it or whatever, whatever the sin behind it was. And that's just, I think that's the heart of the matter mm -hmm. with it. And, and I've never heard the philosophy that they could have been trying to infiltrate, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you know, maybe it's a both, maybe it, God used it as a warning to others. Like if you're going to try to come in here and take over and make this yours, that's not going to happen. Right. Like I'm in charge of this. The church is going to be something that I use moving forward and mm -hmm. no person is going to get in and use it in the wrong way. Currently. You, yeah. you see Paul later mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. instructing the church mm -hmm. how to avoid letting people like this be in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's like, Hey, they're wolves in sheep's yeah. clothing. Yep. Don't trust them. Keep an mm -hmm. eye on their doctrine. Yep. Look at how they're acting. If they're hypocrites, call them out, mm -hmm. make it happen. Yeah. Here's the pat here's the passage that like brings the brings it into uh question for me. Um the apostles, this is uh verse twelve, Acts five. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Uh no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So that's mm. that's the who are you talking about? Because the next verse says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And when you really dig into that. I like actually the way that the message put it. They don't have it perfectly, but um, this was a good way of, of putting it. They said, they all met regularly in remarkable harmony on the temple porch named after Solomon. But even though people admired them a lot, outsiders were weary about joining them. Hmm. And when I translated that word, it wasn't outsiders as in like, uh, like Gentiles. It was outsiders as in like, the religious outsiders, mm. the ones who were not ever going to fully join the community. And that's where I would have come up with the idea of infiltrators. Yeah. Right. It's that's where it is either way. Mm. What is the implications of God killing someone who's a believer? Mm -hmm. And what is the implications of God killing somebody who's not a believer? 
those are two interesting conversations. And then, you know, we, we love to sort of not be okay with God actually judging. And mm. I just want to put a couple things in perspective because mm. we, we generally sit in judgment on God's judgment. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Um, we, we grade it. Yes. Yeah. Like we're, we're like, the judge, the Olympic judges that give it a score. And, like, and you hear people say things like, um, yeah, I can't worship a God like that, yep. you know, or he's, yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. and I just, I want to stop for a second and, and, and reframe things for you a little bit. We all get judged. That's coming. You know, hopefully we get 95 years before we get judged. That's great. And we understand grace is scandalous. Jesus tells a story about paying the workers in the vineyard or whatever. And the guy who comes in last gets the same wage as the guy who was in there first. Um, mm. And I would argue that that parable completely misunderstood by the disciples or the you know apostles or whatever. It was actually really about the idea that the one who worked in the vineyard had the best life all the way through, had the best day. He was there the whole time. The guy who came mm. in last, he's the one that missed out on. Like you, you look at it like, that guy did a whole day's worth of work. And this other guy came at the last second and got paid. How great is that? And it's like, well, he did. He came in and got paid the same amount, but he also missed out on being part of the mm -hmm. the vineyards, <laughs> right? So I look at it in two different ways. But this idea that we sort of sit in judgment of God's judgment and we say we can't serve a God who does that, I think one is that we're way too focused on this life. If this life is 95 years, this life pales in comparison to eternity. Mm -hmm. There are actually times, and I don't want to misconstrue what I'm saying here, so don't don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, it's a double negative. I feel like. <laughs> um, there are times where I think the most graceful thing God can do is to take us. Mm. You know, it, says, it talks about this in John, First uh, John chapter five, where it's like, hey, there's some sins that you get into where God's like, you know, the most graceful thing I can do is because you're a believer take you mm. so that way you don't suffer through this any longer yeah. and it's actually the best thing for you you get to go straight to eternity yeah. and not have to deal with the rest of your life of suffering through your own sins <laughs> now popular opinion that is not connected <laughs> well that is not connected to the suffering that might come through yeah. you know not your sin yeah like you know for instance if you had a terminal diagnosis or something yeah. um but to be honest with you, the idea that God is completely in control and can judge us when he wants and sometimes chooses to judge us before we think it would be a fair time for us to be judged is completely within the realm of who he is and what he does. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we think that God should be charitable to us, merciful to us, graceful to us, the only reason we see God in that way is because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you've never applied hmm. that metric, that way of thinking to Zeus, hmm. to Allah, to like, we only think God is good and merciful because Jesus is good and merciful. We only apply that standard to God because of who he actually is. And we think this is not consistent with his character in the way that we would do things if we were in charge. And I guarantee you there's no other God in existence that you'd apply that that same concept to where you'd say this is a fair, equitable, charitable, merciful, loving God, because there is no other God where we would say, I mean, maybe Buddha, but he's not really God, God, right? Like he's not in charge of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, he's so, he's so cute. Look at that tummy, right? Like, um, 
that's the problem is almost like sometimes we hold God to the standard of his own character. Um, and we are judging him based on who we think he should be, mm-hmm. but we ultimately only have that standard because of who Jesus was. Like there was no benevolent God before, Mm -mm. before, before this God of the old Testament and Jesus came and and showed us what he looked like. So, well, if you were to sum up how God worked in like, I hate the term God of the old Testament. It's the same God in both new and old, but uh, uh, like if you look at the, the way God worked, you know, his mode of operation in the old Testament, it was like, he likes humans he wants us to be with him, but he knows like we can't on our own. So he sets up this sacrificial system so we can take care of our stuff. So like our way of cleaning the house when it gets really dirty. But then he also realizes that like even that system is flawed because it's still dependent on us taking care of our own stuff and it's not going to happen. And even like in the Old Testament, if you look at the stories, like when it's working well, I'm air quoting, right. it's still not working that great. So Christ comes around because God's like, I want to take this whole thing out of your hands because I know you're never going to be able to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that comes from. But God's like wrath and how he operates is still the same. He's just realizing that like, you guys aren't going to figure this out. I need to do it for you, you know, and set it, and set, set it up with Jesus. And yeah. so that character is always there, his, his love and his grace. But the like, I'm trying to think of the right words, like not boundaries, but like, those foundational things of God's character didn't change when once Mm-mm. Jesus came. No, like it's the no. Same. we just not. like yeah. to conveniently like move it to the back burner because Jesus mm-hmm. is there, and so we, like you said, we only view God now through Jesus, which is a great, a good thing to do. But we can't forget who God is at its found who at <laughs> well, its foundations, right? It's a good thing to do, but we can't like. We can't be like, oh, Jesus, you're great. You're super easy to follow. And then when God still judges or like has an opinion about something, yep. be like, whoa, God, like, so chill for a second. Hebrew says essentially the reason that entire sacrificial system existed was actually to train us, like to get us ready for Jesus because we wouldn't have been able to figure it out yeah. or handle it mm-hmm. if we didn't have mm-hmm. thousands of years of actually going through the idea that blood pays for sin, yeah. that we have to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. go through a, a ritual of cleansing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like all this is built into the system also not only to make these people healthy, like it was a great way for them to live in the Mm -hmm. like thousand, thousand years ago, like the things they weren't supposed to eat or touch or do or the way they were supposed to clean themselves and the way that's like that, that was all like really, really smart, awesome things for them. It was like, it was like them alive. Yeah. It was like God (laughs) giving them something, but, but also what he says, like the, yeah, the blood of goats and bulls, like it meant nothing. It, it really did nothing. It really just trained people to be ready for Jesus. And I would say, you know, when we are unsure of who God is or what he is or what his character is, then we do run it through the filter of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So this is like why I can't quite fathom why we have all these conversations about like, for instance, like women in, in ministry or women in, in our, our households, like whether you're complementarian or egalitarian or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you what, how to think or what to do, but it's like, uh, in order to understand if you're, if you're unclear about what we should be doing, then you run it through the filter of how Jesus did things. Like he, he does, uh, show us the full character of God and who he is. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the old Testament too, and you're like, well, you know, God wiped out everybody after Noah. And then, you know, there's Sodom and Gomorrah. And then there's all these genocides. And when they move into the, the promised land, they kill everybody in the promised land, including babies and women and, you're like, what was going on with that? And it's like, 
well then you run that filter through the person of christ mm-hmm. and so it almost feels like we had we did have an idea of who god was and then there was it was sort of juxtaposed against jesus mm-hmm. and now we have to bring those two things together to understand the full character character of god but you know i was preaching on the noah massacre <laughs> which i think is interesting because there's that noah movie that came out like with russell crowe that was like just crazy and terrible and i don't recommend anybody uh to go watch it other than it was just bananas <laughs> there were like rock people that came and helped him build the, it was yeah a little bit extra biblical but the one thing that i thought was incredible about that movie was when noah finally closes the door and lifts off on the water there are people scratching and clawing at the hull of the boat mm-hmm. like trying to get in <laughs> shivers and it yeah. and it is like mm. gross watch it with your kids yeah Just it is kidding. not it, recommended by pastor it Bobby. becomes like horror in a, yeah. in a, for a minute there and then you yeah. stop and you think that's probably exactly what would have mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. but and then you're like well how could god kill everyone and like what kind of god would do that and then you go back and you read the story and you realize noah built this boat in front of people for a hundred years like a hundred oh i think maybe 120 years where they just didn't respond to what god was doing just Mm -hmm. didn't respond to him didn't respond to that hundreds 120 years that they had a chance to say at any point you know i'll i'll go with you like noah opens that boat up and they're on the boat right like Mm -hmm. he he's it's probably built with enough room for more people than just him, right? <clears throat> but they didn't choose. And then you look at it and you think, well, God judged all of them. Well, how long do you get before you get judged? Like, mm. I don't get 120 years, <laughs> right? I don't. And when he, when the boat comes to settle and God says, okay, I'm going to limit the lifespan of man to like 120 years, it totally makes sense. Like, that's how much time people had to not be judged so God is merciful and he is, does give us a window of a chance for us to make the mm-hmm. right decision and follow him. And he's more merciful than he should be. There's this other concept of love, the idea that like I'm breathing air, even though I deserve to be judged, I'm alive. I have life in my body, mm-hmm. even though I deserve to be judged. There's a passive amount of grace that he gives to every person in the world, whether they choose him or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an active kind of grace that he gives to people who do actively choose him. So it's like, you know, where's the line where it's okay for god to judge like is it at a certain amount of years like how old do you have to be you're like a certain amount of sin somebody was over (laughs) 62 and now it's okay that god takes them and judges them or you know these people don't know how old ananias and Sapphira were Mm -mm. um could they could have been 40 would that made a difference in your mind they could have been 60 you know 60 or 70 would that have made a difference in your mind like we sit in judgment on God's judgment. Yeah. And there's there's levels in our head that we're willing to say we're okay with, and then other levels we're not. So we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, and if you actually read what was going on in that city, you know, the amount of brutality, mm-hmm. sexual, uh, you know, um, abuse. Yes. Brutality. In, injustice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Everything. How How much are you okay with? At what point is it okay? Mm-hmm. At what point when, you know, uh, Abraham is praying for with God and saying, okay, well, what if there's just like this many people mm-hmm. or this many people? I think part of that conversation is for us to understand there isn't anyone who's not wrapped up in mm-hmm. the disgusting, horrible, 
you know, abuse and brutality that's going on there. And I'm not even trying to come at it from like what they were, it's how they were treating outsiders, mm -hmm. how they were, how they were using people and abusing them and, uh, and violent, brutal acts. And you see it, you see mm -hmm. it when they go to it. Right. So, um, I, I look at that and I go, okay, well, when is enough enough? Like, yeah. when is it okay for God to judge? You know, like if we had brought that to a modern day thing, it's like, okay, the, we got the Nazis, right? We're, we're at some point as a country going to drop bombs on them, right? Like at some point judgment comes right for them because it's just too much. So where's that line? Why, why is that? Okay. You know, like I would have a hard time saying, okay, we're going to drone strike somebody without like a person because yeah. we just want to take them off the face of the earth. Like that to me feels really tough, but then it's like, Hey, if you want to bomb the Nazis, I'm good with that. Well, there's a line we cross over where we're mm -hmm. like, okay, judgment's okay. Um, you know, you think like if a father had his daughter abused and then went and beat up the guy who abused his, his own child, like somewhere in deep down inside of me goes like, good for him. It's a very American conversation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it really is like yeah. in the sense that yeah. we, we pick and choose our entitlements and this is one of those, like we mm -hmm. pick and choose what is just and what is unjust. We pick and choose what is wrong and worthy of judgment or, you know, incarceration or death penalty or things yep. like that. Like, yep. you know, this whole conversation makes me think back to Jonah chapter five when Jonah's <laughs> out under, you know, <laughs> one of my favorite chapters sitting on the hill <laughs> and the plant springs up. Woe is me. He's throwing a big tent and provides shade for him. <laughs> and then God kills the plant yeah. or he sends the worm that eats the plant that dies. Yeah. And then God sits in that conversation with Jonah. That's the last thing that we read in the book. And basically what he says is like, Jonah, you really like that plant, right? And Jonah's like, yep. God's like, why are you so upset? You didn't make it grow. You didn't plant it. I did that. Right. Like you're upset about something that you had no control over and it came and it went like, like, do I not have the right to have that much more concern for something that you don't have control over. Right. So it kind of makes me think that maybe that's how we should be viewing some of these questions of like, we, we like to have our American you know, entitlement to pass judgment. And yet, you know, not that we should blow it off and, and not talk about it, but it's like, you know, I think the point is, is that God's working, you know, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And, and in, in those moments where judgment seems harsh, it's hard for us to reconcile that. We almost like it on the opposite end of the spectrum where his, you know, lack of judgment or his generosity of grace, that feels a lot better. <laughs> it, they go together. Totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not only do we sit in judgment on his judgment, and I'd say one type of person sits in judgment on his judgment, but then another type of person in church sits in judgment on his grace. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because people will like, what? why do they get pardoned in that? They get angry about it. Like, why is that okay? Mm -hmm. And they're, and they ignore the grace that they've been given or think they're entitled to it. Like, again, right. very American. I'm entitled to this. <laughs> they're not. I see their sin, but I'm not going to talk about mine or pretend that I don't have any. Right. Totally, yeah. It's like there's a 100% reason why Jesus hangs back at the well when the mm -hmm. guys go into town to find food mm -hmm. and then talks with the woman at the well, knowing who she is and what she is. Mm -hmm. And when they get back, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Because they are this sitting, they're sitting in judgment on his grace. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. He's applying grace very liberally in that in that mm -hmm. moment, and they can't believe it, and they don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. And like even, you know, the Pharisees on the surface were amazing people, 
like you want to talk about like model citizens mm -hmm. like these are people that follow the rules did everything right yeah. raised great families we would look at them and go that's a good person mm -hmm. right like if it was in minnesota yeah probably pharisees we look at it and yeah. go those are great people yeah. but jesus is just crushing them right because it's like hey these guys aren't what you think they're on the inside they're hypocrites so like it it does I think we distrust God's ability to use judgment and or grace in ways that make us feel uncomfortable because we ourselves cannot handle judgment and grace properly. Mm -hmm. Yes. We don't trust ourselves. Yep. So then we don't trust God. Mm -hmm. We think I would probably mess this up or I would probably come at it with my own mm -hmm. viewpoint or opinion or be influenced in a mm -hmm. way that I shouldn't be. And I would mess this up. So I don't think God can do this. And at a certain point, you have to step back and say, man, do I believe Jesus, you know, could apply judgment and grace properly? Like, I have to believe that if I'm mm -hmm. if I'm trusting in him for mm -hmm. eternity, if I'm trusting in him for forgiveness of sins. Like, I have mm -hmm. to step back and say, no, I actually do believe that, you know, he can apply judgment when it's necessary and grace when it's necessary even if i feel uncomfortable with what he's doing yeah it doesn't make any sense for me to sit in judgment on what god is doing in those moments yeah you know and i thought that was kind of the big aha it's like i can't really explain this away because it's not meant to be explained away no that's right you're you're meant to deal with your uncomfortable i yep. think he wants us to be uncomfortable in that i think as as we have information at our fingertips, we can solve answers. Now, you know, we don't have to wait till we get home and open the encyclopedia to find out if that word means what we think it means. You know, like we have to be uncomfortable with the this story. And we have to let that sit in us because we don't know the whole the whole picture. We don't know what God was doing. We know some fruit that came out of it, which we see a little bit of. Um, but there's a lot of stories in the Bible that we have to sit in the uncomfortableness because we also, I think it also lends us to be aware of the mystery of God. Like there is an honor and, and uh, giving God honor in that and recognizing that we don't understand how it all works, that we have faith, that there is something going on that we will eventually learn. Um, maybe, I mean, I don't know. I might be too busy in heaven doing something else. I, say, I don't know. Like, like, but he might answer it. He might not. But like, we have to be recognizing that God is big enough and honor that mystery of how faith works, how this all fits together. And oftentimes, as especially as Americans, we don't like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's one of the biggest problems that the church has. We're yeah. talking about the rescue mission of the church. And a lot mm -hmm. of people have walked away because of the judgment in the church. Yeah. And a lot of people have walked away because of the scandalous grace of the church. Yeah. And it's like, you have to get to a place where you're able to process those things as being out of your hands mm -hmm. and you have faith that God is applying it the correct way. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, I don't uh, think, I, I do think that every church should test their own motives and say, why am I judging or why am I giving grace in this way that feels uncomfortable? Cause it's like, we can lean in one direction or the other more. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of like sets a culture in the church. But like, you know, I think a lot of people have felt either one or the other in a way that they were uncomfortable with. And I know it's true because I know people have walked into churches and felt judged and then left. And I know there are other people that have walked into churches and felt like the church gave too much grace to someone and they've left. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like we need to step back and go, okay, the church could apply this wrong. I could apply this wrong, but like mm -hmm. God does not apply this wrong. No. So in this mm -hmm. case, we're looking at this, it doesn't really fit the narrative. 
of what we're doing in a church. Mm -hmm. But we should probably apply grace in a way that makes us uncomfortable and apply judgment. And I mean it in the sense of like holding each other accountable, wanting to see the best in each other, wanting to call each other on our sin, you know, in our relationships. I think we should apply that in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it yeah. kind of puts us in a tough position. Yeah. yeah. And I think the the blanket over all of this and so many of our conversations that we have around faith and theology is our, uh, you know, the Bible's not a manual. It doesn't lay out every single thing hmm. in like excruciating detail about how we should and should not do things. And that's by design. And so God wants us to rely on our faith. You know, faith means trusting in what you can't see, what you can't, you know, mm -hmm. touch. Like, right. And this is one of those areas where, you know, we don't have to, uh, we can be fully confident in God's character and how he operates and how he executes its will. It's really hard when it doesn't make sense to our limited brains and our mm -hmm. limited, you know, perspective and, and experiences. We just have to trust, like, this is in line. God's doing what he's doing. It makes sense. And I'm going to fall, fall in line with that. Yep. And that's one of the things that's really hard about you know, our rescue mission with the church, not just pursuit, but every church is that mm. we see churches on both ends of the spectrum. We see attenders and Christians and Christian leaders making mistakes on either side of that. Yeah. They're either leaning too much into just judging people like the Pharisees or they're not okay with God's scandalous grace or whatever it is, you know, all mm -hmm. these different things. Right. And it's really tough. And yeah, you just have to use your faith. It's yeah. the way it's defined in scripture. <laughs> I, think, I think we hit, I think we nailed it. And I'm up against a, a hard out here for next appointment. But I do want to say one thing. Like, I don't want us to, uh, to think about certain things that go on in the world because God has allowed the world to be this way Yeah, as his judgment. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Like when the bridge falls in the water, I don't put that on anyone. Mm -hmm. Right. Like when, someone gets a cancer diagnosis i'm not saying god's choosing to do that in that moment there are hmm. things in this world that happen because the world is broken yeah and god has allowed that because he wants to give us choice that have messed things up mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of times where we're going through someone we're, something where we're saying god why didn't you intervene or why didn't you do something that's not an active form of judgment on his part mm -mm. because you're struggling or going through a difficult time or have a difficult diagnosis or have lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. This is not what's going on there. Yeah. And I don't want to attest that to his character. Mm -hmm. I just want to say when moments like this happen, which are overt moments of judgment or when acts of grace happen, which are overt acts of grace, those are moments where I can trust that God's doing what he, he wants to do in that place and applying those two things correctly, even though I maybe couldn't 100%. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was my last little caveat. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for joining us today. Uh, we're going to peace out here in a second, but I just want to remind you that as we continue this podcast uh, beyond this series, which we're wrapping up this weekend, mm -hmm. uh, be sure to drop your comments and or questions, whether that's in the chat online, or you can always email us at office at pursuit We would love to take on some of your guys' questions in this format. For sure. Have a great week. See you guys. Bye.